sit back oh, down. Yeah. Sit back down. So uh, you sometimes uh, hijack my stuff, so I'm going to hijack yours, <laughs> okay. all right? All right. So I'm going to pull you back on stage. Okay, good right, deal. You hold yeah, I'll hold it. All right, so um, the reason why I'm hijacking this is uh -huh. because for 20 years now, uh, Howard has been shepherding here at our church family. So y'all can give it up for him. No, no, no. Um, All glory oh, God. look, standing. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh, Trish is even like shouting. She's like, Trish, oh, yeah. All right. Okay, I, I got to say something. I love you. No, please, 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 please don't do that. Listen to me. If there is anything good about me, it comes from Christ. The only hope I have is in him. And so thank you for the love. I love you back. I love you so much back. It's him. If there's anything good, it's him. Quit interrupting my time. <laughs> I took a lesson from Clint. <laughs> so I've been here for five years and a smidge more. Yeah. Uh, and he's been our student pastor that whole time. I don't know all the time frame and it really doesn't matter. We won't go through it. But I know he started as children's pastor. Uh, and then uh, when he retired from uh, the fire department, he came full time and started taking, taking over, makes sound like, anyway, became the youth <laughs> pastor as well. And so That's for 20 it. years, uh, whether yeah. it be part-time or full-time, he has been a part of our church family and even before then, but he's wow. been shepherding here at our church. So thank you for 20 years, thank you. um, invested in the life of your people or not your people, God's people Amen. in this place. Um, and so we appreciate that. These kids I know are grateful for you as well. Thank you. Um, there's an opportunity for you. I know some of you already done it, have already done it, but there's a place where you can write a card to say, how you're grateful for what God's done in and through Howard's ministry in your life. The basket is right out there, that direction. Kids, I think, I may not be right, but I think in Fusion and Children's Worship, you'll have a chance to do that as well. If for some reason you don't, come on back down and you can do that after the service. Uh, I can guarantee you there was no temptation in this for me. Everything is 100% in there. You will see when you open it up, some of which will remain nameless, that there's very little that I would find use of in there <laughs> for me. About the only thing, I think, awesome. there, I think there's a gift card, and if I'm wrong, you can forgive me. There's a gift card. I think it's from Academy. I could probably Perfect. spend it there, all right? Yeah. But the other stuff, no, not so much. So, but you'll enjoy it. There's no, there's no chocolate in there. Perfect. There's no Dr. Pepper in there. Perfect. No, there's no cowboy gear in there. Thank you all for all right, there giving you go. him so, stuff to steal from me. Anyway, so we are grateful um, for what God has done in and through the life of, of Howard uh, here in this place. And so I'm going to pray for us. And then after that prayer, boys and girls, if you're going to children's church, a uh, children's church, children's worship, or to Fusion, you may go out those doors. You know, Fusion's that way, children's worship this way. There'll be people in the back to kind of guide you if you don't know which direction to go and things like that. So let's pray and thank God for what he is doing. God, we thank you. Uh, for Howard and for his family. God, we thank you for the 20 years of ministry that you have given him here. And God, we're grateful for the impact that it's made on the lives of so many people. And God, as Howard said a moment ago, it's about your faithfulness Hallelujah. and your yes, goodness. Um, while he's been here 20 years, uh, I know for a fact he's messed up in those 20 years. <laughs> and I know for a fact that you have been faithful through all of it uh, in spite of um, what we yeah. may do. Amen. And yeah. so God, at the same time, you call us to be um, sheep that follow you, to hear your voice, to recognize it and to obey it. And so God, I thank you for the ways that Howard has done that. I pray that you would strengthen him to do that all the more. And I pray that you'd be with each of us along those lines as well. So God, thank you for these 20 years. Yeah. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and all glory goes to him. Amen. 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 Love you. Look to Don't, don't get all excited. I'm not leaving like I am still going to preach. That wasn't the end of the sermon, so...
I just had to get my stuff. All right. There we go. Good morning so far, right? You know what? I, I said a moment ago, my name's Alan Pittman. I, I have the pleasure of serving as the uh, pastor here, as well as one of the elders, and, and it's been a joy of mine to be here for five years. And for those of you that have been here five years or longer, or maybe even a smaller portion of that time, you will maybe relate to the things I'm saying. And for those of you that are here for your very first time, it, it won't necessarily hit the exact same way, but here's the deal. Um, my family, uh, they like to sit in the back, and I like to sit at the front. So anyway, Ashley is not feeling, I know it, I hear it. Um, Ashley's not feeling well today, and so I'm here, and I'm kind of being dad, which I'm always dad, yes, and also pastor. And so I was in the back of the room, and when we were singing, and we were standing, and we were singing, and I saw this group of people here on a holiday weekend, the day after an Aggie victory, all of those things, as we sat here and worshiped, stood here and worshiped, thinking about the text of my message and looking at this room, I was reminded of just how faithful God is. There's not been a day, by the way, for those of you that are counting at home, this is not a part of my sermon, so it doesn't count against my time. (laughs) There's not been a day in the five plus years that I've been here that I've regretted saying yes to coming to serve as pastor here. And yet in the midst of those five years, there have been some challenging days and challenging seasons. And all I know is I see, and all along I have, don't get me wrong, in the good times and the bad times I see God's faithfulness, but just today it just struck me how faithful and good God is to his people. And I just am thrilled that God has me in this place, in this season, and preferably until my retirement years and beyond, that God has me here. And he is a good, good God. All right, let me uh, give a couple of quick announcements, if you will. Don't forget that there's a lot going on right now, and you don't want to miss it. Most of these things start next Sunday or the week of next Sunday. You don't want to miss any of it, all right? I'm going to hit them real quick, but be sure and go to our website. And then on our website, there'll be a place that says The Hope. You click there, and all the signups for all the things are there. And you'll want to scroll down to the bottom. You'll want to see all the things. But I want to highlight a few things real quickly. And that is starting next Sunday night at 5 o'clock, for our kids and for our families, we have a thing called Awana. And this is a discipleship process through which our kids go and our families are a part of. If you've been a part of Awana, you know all about it. If you haven't, you'll want to sign up. I forget what age it starts, three or four years of old, three, three years of age, three of old, three years age, and then up through the sixth grade um, and the families associated with that. So you'll want to sign up, be a part of that. If you have questions, ask Howard. Also, we have equipping classes, which are um, studies that we do through God's Word to be equipped to live out our faith on a daily basis. And we have equipping classes starting next Sunday at 9 o'clock. So here's the way I look at it. Instead of thinking that church starts at 1030, let's change our clocks and say church starts at 9. I'll be here at 9 o'clock for the equipping classes and then worships at 1030. We have equipping classes for all ages, all the way down to preschool, uh, up through uh, children and youth and college and also adults. 
adults, and there's age-specific Bible studies and classes for all of those. A couple of things I want to highlight, and I'm going to highlight more in a moment, but our, um, our college group is going through a book called Explore, and it's all about exploring what God's plan is in the world to redeem the world and to share the gospel around the globe. You'll want to be a part of this if you're a college student. You'll want to sign up, be a part of that. Uh, our women are going to be meeting on Thursday nights, not on Sundays. I uh, forget what time they start, maybe 6 o'clock. Don't hold me to that. Check the website, it'll tell you. But I do know this, on Thursday nights here on the property, what time, 7 o'clock? Thank you, 7 o'clock on Thursday nights, they'll be studying the book of Hebrews. Uh, the book that they're using is called Better, and it's a phenomenal study of how um, Jesus is the better Uh, of everything the Old Testament uh, refers to. So the book of Hebrews, great book. You'll want to be a part of that, women. uh, And that class already has several, oops, people signed up for that. And then one more on Sunday morning that I'm going to highlight right now, I'll hit the others later, is a study on the minor prophets. And this will be for adults. Uh, Lord willing, in uh, January or February, we're going to start a sermon series on the book of Micah. And so this minor prophet study kind of sets you up for that. So you'll want to consider being a part of that. So that's our equipping classes on Sunday mornings uh, at 9 o'clock. Hope groups, which are small groups that meet during the course of the week, you'll want to sign up, be a part of that. We have a great number of people signed up already. We need more folks uh, to sign up because God's got some great things in store for us. You meet together, you encourage one another, you pray together, you apply God's word from the sermon. There are still groups that are open and some that are already closed. Here are the ones that are open. There's one on Sunday after church here at the building. There's one on Monday night, one on Tuesday night. There's one on Thursday night. And on Wednesday night, there are four groups still open, including one that meets in Navasota. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we got you covered. Sign up to be a part of a hope group. And then the last thing, if you're excited about what God's doing here, you're interested in learning more, and you want to see what is this church about? Should I consider church membership? We have a new member class that's happening next Sunday night at 445. Snacks and child care are provided. We'll be done in less than two hours. It's a great chance for you to come and learn more about the church. All right, that's what I wanted to announce. All right, if you came in, or you did, when you came in, hopefully you picked up a Uh, I know some of you are worshiping online, so you didn't come in the door. But when you came in, maybe you picked up a uh, sermon guide, a worship guide. On the back side, there is a place where you can take notes of the sermon. You already heard me say that the sermon title is Faithfulness Empowered by a Faithful God. We're walking as a church family through the book of Acts. And so today, we're going to jump into Acts chapter uh, 20. I have to think because I'm preparing ahead of time as well. But we're on Acts chapter 20. If you've got a Bible with you, go ahead and open that up. Um, if you don't have a Bible with you, there should be a Bible near you, underneath your chair, beside, beside you. Use that Bible while you're here. If you need a Bible at the house or know someone else who does, feel free to take that with you. That'll be our gift to you as a church family. But we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 20. That's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and you'll be there. I want you to think for just a minute. I know this sounds a little bit morbid, morbid but stay with me for a minute. No one knows when or how their life will come to an end. But we all know that short of Jesus coming back before we die, that all of us will face that moment. And when we look back at our lives, are we going to see a life that is one of faithfulness to God, or is it going to say otherwise? Here's what I mean by faithfulness, that we're reliable, steadfast, and unwavering in our commitment to the Lord. Will we be able to say that we made the most of the time that we had on this earth? Would we be able to say that we've done all things for the glory of God? Undoubtedly, there will be some 
undoubtedly there will be some um, uh, regrets where we wish we had, would have done things a little bit differently. But prayerfully, any regrets we have will be minor. You may be going, Alan, what's that got to do with the price of tea in China? Here's the answer. This passage we're looking at in the life of Paul in Acts chapter 20 is a moment where he's reflecting on his life, knowing that the end of his ministry is coming fairly soon. And as a result of that, he's able to look back and see his faithfulness. My prayer is that you and I, as individuals and as a church body, that we would be able to be like Paul when we come to the end of our lives, seeing the faithfulness of God exhibited in our faithfulness as well. So to set up what I'm going to read, Paul is nearing the end of his third missionary journey, and as we will find out very soon, he's ending his ministry, not because he's stopping his ministry, but his life is not going to last all that much longer because of persecution and things like that. Now, let's go ahead and look at Acts chapter 20, verses 13 through 38, and I say ahead of time, usually when I read a place in the Bible, a city, a name, I'm fairly confident, or I fake it like I know it, and these I do not. So as I stumble, just bear with me. All right, Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 13, we'll read through the end of the chapters, talking about Paul and the folks with him. But going ahead to the ship, we set sail for Assos, intending to take Paul aboard there. For so he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us at Assos, we took him on board and went to Mytilene. And sailing from there, we came to the following, sorry, came the following day opposite Chios. The next day, we touched at Samos, and the day after that, we went to Miletus. Past those words, yay. For Paul had decided to set sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. 
And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, Paul knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. All right, a lot of verses there, a lot of ground to cover that we won't cover all of it, but we'll cover hopefully the most important parts that will tie into the message of what it looks like to understand God's faithfulness that in turn causes us to be faithful as well. Look at those first four verses real quickly. We see a travel log from Troas to Miletus. And I want us to go ahead and look at the map, and I'm going to point real quickly uh, what's going on here. They're kind of day tripping all the way from port to port. And the reason they're doing that is because uh, the winds would be rough, and the sea coasts were very rocky, and it was very treacherous traveling. And so they were going port to port, day by day, going various places. Those of you that are close may see a green line. Those of you that are further back may not see a green line. But I promise you there's a green line from Troas on down to Miletus. Uh, it just kind of contrasts with the colors that are on the screen. So the story begins in Troas. And then from Troas, the group sails to Asos, but Paul walks it. So he walks down here, and then the next day they get to Mytilene, and then the next day they go past Chios, and then they end up at Samos before landing at Miletus. So that's kind of where they are. This area is modern-day Turkey. This area over here is modern-day Greece. And then Jerusalem's going to be off the screen down here somewhere, all right? So from Troas to Miletus is where the journey has taken them today. And all throughout this, they're going to see God's faithfulness. Oh, one other thing I want you to see that I forgot to mention is Ephesus, because Ephesus is in the story as well. And there's about, um, I've read different things, 20 to 35 miles somewhere in there uh, between those two cities. So kind of keep that in mind as we move through. Paul uh, is traveling and headed back towards Jerusalem, and he has a target in mind, and we see it here in the text. He wants to get to um, Jerusalem by Pentecost, and based on the time frame of what we see happen in Philippi and where we are now and how long it takes him to go places, he's got roughly 30 days and about 600 miles to get there, and so he's hustling to get there. He didn't go to Ephesus because it says that he didn't want to be detained there. There's a couple of ways that you could look at it, and it might be that both are possible, and that is perhaps he's like me, and he will talk for a long time, and if he goes to Ephesus, he knows he's going to be caught up in a conversation and stay for several days. It also could be that because he ran into uh, some security issues where his life was uh, threatened and things like that, that he might even be arrested, so he avoids Ephesus and goes on down to Miletus, but because he's within kind of shouting distance from Ephesus, he said, I cannot 
go that close to Ephesus without seeing my brothers from Ephesus. You see, he'd been in Ephesus for over three years. It was the longest he had been anywhere, and he knew these people well. He had taught them day by day, and it helped start the church there. They were near and dear to his heart, and so he said, would y'all go get the people, the elders, the leaders, the overseers, the pastors from Ephesus and bring them down here so that I can say goodbye to them and also give them some encouragement. When he does that, we see a recurring theme of God's faithfulness. And my statement is this, just as Paul was found faithful, my prayer is that you and I would be found faithful as well. So in your sermon notes, you'll see the word faithful or a version of it on all of the main points. And here's the first one. We see that they remember faithful ministry. Remember faithful ministry. We see that in verses 18 and 19. We're not necessarily going to read the verses. You may just want to jot them down. But verses 18 and 19 is where we see primarily this idea of a faithful ministry that Paul lived out. We see, he says, guys, you've been with me. Like, you've seen everything that I've done. You've seen me live my life. You've seen me, you've been with me day by day. You've been there the moment I stepped foot on Asia. You've been with me all along. In other words, he's saying my lifestyle is consistent with the teaching that I've given to you. I've lived a faithful life in front of you. Not only that, but he was there for three years. They not only watched him, but they also listened to him preach and teach, and they spent time with him. And while he was with them, he served the Lord faithfully. In fact, the word serving is found there in in verse 18, uh, I believe, no, 19, the first word in 19. It says, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that came along the way. The word serving is the same root as the word servant or slave or bond servant, and perhaps you've heard it before, doulos is how I pronounce it in the Greek, and the word serving comes from the same word as servant, and so whenever he says he's serving the Lord, it means that he submits to the Lord, he serves the Lord, he gives himself to Christ's will, instead of living out his own will, he's lived out Christ's will as he served the church there. Paul had been a faithful servant of God, and they had witnessed him being a consistent, faithful servant of the gospel. At this point, he says, I've been faithful in serving the Lord, and I've done it with humility. And you're like, that's weird that he says with humility. Is he bragging on himself? No, he's not. They've lived with him. They've seen it. He's, it's okay if a humble person acknowledges, I'm seeking to be humble, and you should seek to be humble as well. And so he said, I've served with humility He's not done it for himself. He's done it for the Lord. He's served with humility. He's served with tears. He's given it his all, and he's even experienced trials along the way. If you remember much of what took place in chapter 19, we see that Paul's life, there were a couple of different plots against his life to take his life. What we see is that Paul, who Paul was as a servant of the Lord, who Paul was as a preacher of the Lord, and who Paul was in his daily interaction with people was faithful to the gospel. He was a faithful, not perfect, but faithful servant and minister of the gospel. Paul's faithfulness was seen in his humility. Paul's faithfulness was seen in his integrity. Paul's faithfulness was seen in his character and his commitment to the Lord. All too often, we rate our success in ministry by the wrong things. And as soon as we rate our success in the ministry, the wheels call, come flying off. What I mean by that is if we think our success in ministry is 
We have the largest church. We have the best praise music. We have the most amazing preacher. We, we begin to label all of these things. We take our eyes off of what Jesus says, and we begin to think about man-made success. If we're not careful, all too often the wheels come flying off, and have you seen it time and time again all over around us, moral failures and arrogance when it comes to ministry? I was flipping through, I would say the channels, but we don't have the channels. I was looking through the streaming options, and I've not watched the video, the, the, the documentary yet, but there's a documentary about Hillsong and all the stuff that they have experienced. And, and I watched the beginning of it, and it was, like, it was like a concert experience. And every time we were there, it was amazing, and all this pump and hype, and I didn't watch the rest. I don't know exactly what it said, but what I'm saying is if we're not careful, we'll make church and worship all about hype and not about Jesus. If we're not careful, we become thinking it's about the people that are following me and we groom them for things that we ought not groom anybody for. If we're not careful, we think I can do whatever I want to and I can preach against, uh, against adultery, but if I want to go out and have adultery, I can do it because I'm powerful and I'm an amazing follower of Jesus. Please don't soundbite that of me because that's not what I'm doing. But there are those who are living their lives that way. All too often, pastors get arrogant. And we think, we get together as pastors. You know, sadly, what sometimes the first question can come out of the mouth of a pastor to another pastor? After where do you serve? How big's your church? And then we get pumped up. and we look. Oh my goodness, look at me. I've got a church of a million people. Look how amazing I am. Guys, we must be careful. Be faithful to ministry, which means we're faithful to the Lord and not all that other hogwash. So here's a couple questions. Here's a couple questions in this section. What about your life? If people look at your life, would they identify you as a faithful follower of Jesus? Humility, integrity, character, commitment. Is your life and ministry defined by faithfulness to God. Paul's was, and yet we know he wasn't perfect. The next section of the outline is this, proclaim the gospel faithfully. If we're going to be a faithful part of the body of Christ, we must proclaim boldly and clearly and faithfully the gospel. That's found in verses 20 and 21. It's funny to me, not funny, but it's interesting. Look at 20, it says, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. I don't know how anybody could, could make that claim about Paul. Paul said what was on his mind all the time, boldly and confidently, he did not withhold anything. He was proudly and faithfully proclaiming the gospel everywhere he went. If you keep reading those verses, you'll see that he did that both in public and house to house. That means he did it at the synagogue. And when he was in Ephesus, he did it at a place called the Hall of Tyrannus where people were around him. He also went house to house. It doesn't mean he knocked on the door necessarily and went house to house, but instead house to house is the house meeting where the churches met in private, in homes. He went everywhere. It says he went to Jews. He went to Greeks. He went to the Gentiles. He went to everyone proclaiming faithfully the gospel in order that they might receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. In all those settings, 
he never hesitated to preach the full gospel of Jesus Christ. Look down in verse 21. This, in a nutshell, says what all of his messages are, and that is he's testifying both to Jews and to Greeks. What's he testifying of? Repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I've been preaching the gospel. That gospel is repentance and faith. What, what is repentance? Repentance, metanoia is the word in the Greek, and metanoia or repentance means that we have a change of direction, and that we have a change of, uh, of attitude, and the change of direction happens after the change of attitude, and the change of attitude means that we now acknowledge that sin is what God calls it, and we acknowledge that we must change our ways, but we can't do it on our own, but instead God empowers us. Repent says, I am a sinner. Repent says, there is dirty sin in my life. I am like everyone else on this planet, save Jesus. I live in sin. I walk in sin. I rebel against God. I live life like I want to live it. And there is no hope found outside of Jesus Christ for my sins to be forgiven. And God, I repent of my sins. And the reason I know that I can repent of my sins and have salvation is because now I'm placing my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ. You see, my faith in myself will get me absolutely nowhere. That was almost too... Uh, uh, no, all of us, he said amen, not because of Alan, but because of all of us, right? Faith in ourselves get us, gets us absolutely nowhere but in trouble. Paul says, repent of sin. Place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus came and lived a perfect life and died a death for our sins in our place as our substitute, as our sacrifice. And if I repent of my sins and trust in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection to forgive my sins, God is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. That is what it means to preach the gospel faithfully. So I ask you this morning, in this section, have you trusted in the gospel for salvation? And if not, why not today? If you say, yes, I've trusted in Jesus for salvation, are you like Paul, taking every advantage that you can of preaching and proclaiming the gospel faithfully by looking for opportunities? Here's what faithfully presenting the gospel means. It means to accurately, clearly, consistently and constantly point people to the hope that's found in Jesus Christ in repentance and faith and then trusting God with the results. Faithful preaching of the gospel does not mean I'm going to preach it and share it and tell others and 50% of the people come to faith and if I don't hit 50% then I'm a failure. No, the reality is the only way we're failures when it comes to preaching the gospel is by not doing it or doing it with the wrong message. If we're doing it and we're preaching the right full message, then whether people come to faith or not, we have been faithful. So, my question to you is this. Are you proclaiming the gospel faithfully. Let's go to the next section. We're to be faithful to follow the Holy Spirit's leadership in our lives. Verses 22 through 24 points that out. Everything that Paul did 
was because the Holy Spirit was leading him, or in this scenario, it says constraining him to do so. Look in verse 22. It says, and now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem. Why am I going to Jerusalem? Because I'm constrained by the Spirit, even though I don't know what will happen to me there. What does it mean to be constrained by the Holy Spirit? It's an interesting word. In the Greek, constrained means to be bound, to be tied, to be put in chains. It's to be wrapped up and caused to do a certain task or to do a certain thing. The Holy Spirit was making him follow him. The Holy Spirit was leading him to Jerusalem. And even as he was leading him to Jerusalem, as you'll read the rest of the verses, he's saying, hey, but Paul, on the way there, here's what's coming for you, boy. You're going to be imprisoned. You're going to face afflictions. There's going to be hardships and persecutions coming your way. You want to know something interesting? The word imprisoned. When the Holy Spirit tells Paul that he's going to be imprisoned, the word imprisoned and constrained actually come from the same Greek word. And so he's going to be constrained and, in a sense, imprisoned to the ways of the Lord, and he's willingly going to do that knowing that it's actually going to cause him to be literally imprisoned in a prison system. Why did he do this? Why would he follow when he knows this is coming down the way? It's because he wanted to finish what God had given him to do. If you look at the rest of the verses, down in verse 23 and 24, specifically 24, he says, I don't count my life of any value. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I've received from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. What we see here is he wanted to finish what God had given him to do. So being faithful in ministry requires us to faithfully follow the Holy Spirit no matter the price. See, Paul wasn't worried about his life. He was just worried about finishing the race that the Holy Spirit has set before him. Talking about finishing a race, it made me think of the running that I attempt to do. Uh, if you were to come watch me run, here's what's going on when I run. Here's what's in my mind. While I'm running, I'm tempted, well, before I run, and I'm laying in the bed, I'm tempted, first of all, not even to run. And then when I do put on my shoes, I'm tempted to keep that run short. Oh, Alan, you're not going to run three today. You're going to run a mile or a mile and a half. Like, I, I, that's what's in my ma mind. And then I start running, I'm like, okay, maybe I'm going to run further. And then I go, okay, I'm going to run three miles. And then I get to two and a half, and I'm like, oh, that's probably good enough. I can go ahead and shut her down right here. The reality is in our lives, when it comes to running the race that the Lord has given to us, we should not be tempted to not run at all. We should not be tempted to keep it short. We should not be tempted to coast along, but rather we should be like Paul, seeking to aim to finish the course the Holy Spirit has for us to complete. Guys, I don't care what age you are. I don't care what stage of life you're in. The Lord is not finished with you yet. I get it. I'm, I'm only 51, and I'm in relatively good health. I don't know what it's like to be older than that. I don't know what it's like to be in failing health or unable to do certain things. But I do know this, that regardless of my mobility and regardless of my age and station and situation of life, regardless of what my schedule says, the Lord doesn't want me to retire from the ministry. I may not get paid for ministry at some point, but I should never retire as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
And guys, if you're a follower of Jesus, you likewise are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he doesn't want you to retire either. Let's run the race that the Lord has for me. Another side note, the race that the Lord has for me is not identical to the race that he has for you. So don't say, well, look at Alan's race. That one sure is easier, or that one sure is harder, or that one sure, are you sure that's even a race? He's barely running. Like, don't look at me. Look at the race that the Holy Spirit has given to you. Be faithful to follow the Holy Spirit in your life. So here's the questions. Are you following the Holy Spirit? And the next thing I'm going to ask, and I'm going to explain it, I've asked this of elders, I've asked this of staff, I've asked this of deacons, and now I'm asking it of you. Are you leaving it all on the field? What I mean by that is, I'm not an athlete, but I try to play one on TV, I guess. But as I think about sports, my coaches would always tell me we should give 110%. I know that's not possible, but we should give everything we have. We shouldn't walk off the field with more gas in the tank. It should be all spent. And when it comes to living out our faith in Jesus Christ and doing ministry for him, we should lay it all out on the field with nothing in the reserve tanks. Now, don't get me wrong. We shouldn't burn ourselves out. We do need to be strengthened. We do need to be encouraged. But I'm saying let's be faithful to follow the tasks that the Lord has for us. All right, next section real quick. I know I got to speed up. Teach the whole counsel of God faithfully. That's found in verses 25 through 27. Paul did not hold back, but he sought to teach all of God's plans. The whole counsel is literally used there in verses 25 through 27. You'll see it there somewhere. Didn't shrink back. There it is in verse 27. He didn't shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. What's the whole counsel of God? It's the content of the gospel. It's the Old Testament background that the gospel is built upon. And then it's how the gospel applies to our lives. And what Paul says is, I didn't hold anything back from you. I preached it all to you. And he goes on in the verse, he says, because of that, I'm innocent of the blood. And what he means by that is, if I don't follow Jesus Christ, then God's wrath and judgment comes upon me. And because Paul clearly preached the whole counsel to these Ephesian elders, it's now on them and their relationship with God if they're going to follow it. Because he was faithful in teaching them the whole counsel. And in a way, as your pastor, my job and responsibility is to preach the whole counsel of God. I've got to then trust God with the results. And if you will, your blood is on your own hands at that point if I'm faithfully preaching the gospel. What are you going to do with what you hear? Now, as we talk about the whole counsel of God, I want to mention this real quick because part of whole counsel of God means that we'll look to God's Old Testament and New Testament. We don't just hover in one place in the Bible. And I've got news for you. We've got a, a, a core class that we're doing, an equipping class. It's called uh, The Christian Story. And it is this little book that I'm holding, and it's going to walk through Old Testament to the New Testament, cover to cover, and it's going to see how Christ is on every page of the, of the Scripture, how he's in the whole council. It's not 66 books of the Bible, but one book, one story, cover to cover. And if you want to know God's whole council, a way, not entirely just this class, but this class would be a, a good place for you to plug into. That'll allow you to see what God's whole counsel is. And so my question in this section, before I move to the next one, is this. Are you studying all of God's Word? 
are you studying all of God's Word? I'm saying, are you having a steady diet of all of God's Word, or do you just focus on the minor prophets, or just the Gospels, or just the writings of Paul, or just the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible, which is probably not where your focus is, but wherever your focus is, would you be willing to hear all of God's Word, the whole counsel of God's Word? And then secondly, to have the whole counsel of God's Word, think about the word counsel. That means instruction, direction, guidance. We're not really applying all of God's counsel to our lives unless we're applying what we learn. All right, let's go to the next section. Verses 28 through 31. Faithfully guard the flock. Now, I will say on the front end, these verses, all of it is to the elders, yes, but these verses specifically are to the elders. And so here at our church, we have four elders, myself and Howard and Nathan and John. We have other leaders. We have other pastoral staff. Eric's a part of our pastoral staff. All of these things. But here's the deal. If you're not an elder, if you're not a pastor, if you're not a leader, don't zone out right here because this will apply to you as well. Look at verses 28 through 31. It begins by Paul telling them to pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock. The word pay careful attention in the Greek is only one word, and it communicates a serious warning. It's a continuous state of readiness to address any danger or error that might be in the way and respond accordingly. So the question is, well, what is the danger? What is the, 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 the error that's awaiting them? If you keep reading, you'll see that fierce wolves are coming in. Well, is he talking about a bunch of animals coming in? No, he's talking about false teachers. But he uses the word fierce wolves because he's talking about the body of Christ being sheep, as Paul, uh, as, Paul as Howard talked about a moment ago, the flock, the sheep. He's saying, here are the sheep, here are the people of God. He's talking about how the pastors are to be a, a, a shepherd, if you will how they are to care for God's people, and he's saying there's going to be fierce wolves come in, and these fierce wolves are going to preach and teach a gospel that's contrary to God's word. He's warning these elders and pastors and overseers to faithfully protect the flock that God has given to them because the role of an elder is the role of a shepherd, and the role of a shepherd is to feed and care for and protect his sheep. And if as elders we allow false teaching to enter into the equation, we are not doing our job at all. So pray for your elders that we would not allow any false teaching to slip in, but rather we would guard you and feed you with God's word and nurture you and care for you and help you to grow into faithful followers of Jesus Christ. He says it begins by guarding themselves. So John, Howard, myself, Nathan, those four of us, we need to hear Paul's admonition to us that we must guard ourselves and our hearts in order that we might serve faithfully. But also, the elders, we need to see that we need to take our job seriously. Keep reading in this section, um, 28 through 31, it says somewhere about uh, being obtained by, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, somebody tell me where obtained is. There we are, thank you, 28, thank you. Um, it says that the church has been obtained by God with his own blood. What it's saying is the church is valuable because Jesus died and bled for the church and so we as elders must take our task seriously. All along, Satan has tried to twist what God is doing. I'm, like I said, I've read in Genesis lately. And in Genesis 3, if you know the story, you see that Satan shows up on the scene and he immediately begins to twist what God says. He takes something God says and he slightly alters it. And then Eve hears it 
And she says what God says and slightly alters it. And the story of what God's word is begins to shift and change because false teaching has entered into the equation. We must guard ourselves to know the correct beliefs and doctrines and teachings of the faith in order for us to live out a life of faithfulness. So here's the deal. One more, one more class I'm going to mention. And this class I'm going to do a shameless plug for because I'm one of the leaders in it. I'd love for you to sign up for it. We've got some folks in it. Need some more guys to take the class as well. Here it is. It's the Christian Beliefs core class. And we're studying a book called You Are a Theologian. The reality is all of us are a theologian. All of us have beliefs about God. They may or may not be correct, but we all have beliefs about God. So we've got to study God's Word. We've got to study it to understand the correct teachings. Because if we don't understand the correct teachings, then we are susceptible to the leading of the false teachers and of the false teachings. If we're not knowing God's Word, then we'll do a Google search to look up something and we'll watch a video that is 100% against what God's Word is, but we've been sucked in because we didn't know what God's Word really taught on that subject. We'll fall for the counterfeit because we don't know the real stuff. Do you know Jesus? Do you know His Word? Do you know what it teaches? Do you know who God is? Do you have a right, proper foundation of the truth of God and His Word? If not, you're going to fall prey to the false teachings. Plug in. Be a part of that class. I'd love for you to sign up to be in it. So here's the deal. Paul had spent three years with these elders. He had taken his job seriously. He had admonished them with tears day and night. And he's reminding these elders that at the end of the day, their job is not to just be the pastor of that church, but rather they should see themselves that they are employed, if you will, by the Lord Jesus Christ. It is God's church, and so elders must take their job seriously. Here's the practical steps I would have you to take. There's no questions here. Instead, is what I need you to do. Pray for your elders. Pray for your pastoral staff. Pray for your other leaders. Pray for us that we would guard the flock. Commit to following our lead. If you're praying that we would lead the church well, and you're trusting God to do that, and you're seeing that we're not going contrary to where God is leading, then faithfully follow our lead in order that we might better protect and feed and take care of you. Ultimately, at the end of the day, know that we, though, are not the shepherd. We're the under-shepherd, and he is the good shepherd. Pray that we would be faithful and that you would faithfully follow. I want us to finish. I want us to finish in this last section by saying that we need to trust God's grace and faithfully work. It's found in verses 32 through 35. Here's my question. Uh, not an application question. It's just a question. Is it possible for us to live this faithful Christian life? You ready for the answer? No. You're like, oh, hold up, pastor. You said you're supposed to live a faithful life. You've told us all morning long to live a faithful life, and then now you're getting to the end, and you ask us, is it possible for us to live this faithful Christian life? And you just said no. What's up with that? Glad you asked. It's absolutely impossible. For us to live a faithful Christian life outside the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Don't do this on your own because you're not being faithful in that regard. Follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. Do what he says. 
and then you'll be living a faithful Christian life. Don't walk in the flesh, walk in the Spirit. You see, we can be faithful only because He's always faithful to us. The starting point is not our faithfulness. The starting point is His faithfulness, which in turn spurs us on to faithfulness. Look at verse 32 with me, and I'm almost done. Verse 32, it says, And now, Paul says, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace. And God and the word of His grace are able to build you up and to give you the inheritance of being sanctified part of the body of Christ. Truth of the matter is this, that God and His word and His grace are able That word able is actually a very strong word in the Greek. The word able comes from the word dunamis. Dunamis is the word that we have our word dynamite. And the reality is this, that God is mighty, God is powerful, God is strong enough, God is able to help us live a faithful life. But we must trust in Him. We were singing a moment ago, and I'm going blank on the name of the song, although it's a standby, and we sang it a moment ago, please forgive me. But the lines of the song hit me this morning. Oh, for grace to trust you more. Do you know why it's pinned that way? Why does it not just say, oh, that I would trust you more? Oh, for grace to trust you more. You and I on our own cannot trust God. It's impossible. The only way we trust God is when God gives us the grace to trust Him. We receive grace from God, and in turn, we live it out in trust for Him. It's because of His faithfulness that we can be faithful. He is able. He is able to trust God, trust His Word, trust His grace, and we will live this Christian faithful life He's calling us to. You see, Paul was not anxious, even though he knew these wolves were going to attack, because he was entrusting the body of Christ to God and his protection. Yes, elders matter, but God himself is the ultimate watchman, and therefore Paul had confidence. So while trusting God, we're still called to faithfully, we're called to faithfully follow him. Here's a couple of questions I'm going to ask for you, and then will respond as the Lord leads us. In what ways are you trusting your own work instead of God? In what ways are you trusting your own work instead of God? You see, Paul could say, it's all on me. I got to train these guys. I got to be here with them. I got to do this and this and this. No, he commends them to the Lord and he walks away with confidence that God has this because God is able. Are you trusting your own work instead of God? Next question, in what ways... Are you kind of resting on your past accomplishments for Jesus and not faithfully working to follow him today? And then the last question I have for you is this. How can you play a part in helping our church family be diligent about faithfulness and truth and obedience to God and his word? God's calling us to faithfulness. Our starting point is his faithfulness to us and then trusting his Holy Spirit to work in our lives. I'm going to lead us in prayer. After the prayer is over with, it's our time to respond. Here at our church, we will typically, and today I believe we're doing it, we'll typically sing two songs at the end of the service. And during the first song, um, we'll just let you respond as the Lord leads you. Come to the altar, pray at your seat, pray here, bring somebody with you, pray with me. I'll be available. Fill out your connection card if there's decisions you need to make. 
During the second song, you continue to do those things and to sing as well and commit to what the Lord's calling you to do. But also during the second song, we're going to pass some offering plates. And when those are passed, if you've got an offering, you can drop it in there. No big deal if you don't. If you have a connection card, you can drop it in there for prayer requests, those kinds of things. But let's use these next two songs to hear God call us out to respond to his faithfulness by living a faithful life back to him. Let me lose in prayer. Father, we thank you for a chance to be here today, God. We thank you for your faithfulness that has allowed us to be in this room and to worship you this morning. God, I pray that as we leave from here, that we would leave with confidence, not in ourselves, but in you. That you are able, that your word is able, that your grace is able to empower us to live a faithful life. God, may we not go out of here uh, with the thought that I'm going to try harder, I'm going to do better, I- I'm going to do right the next time, but rather we would walk out uh, remembering your faithfulness to us, trusting in that faithfulness in our lives, saying yes to you and following you. God, I pray for anyone in this room that has been trusting in their own power and their own strength for salvation and overlooking the fact that the only way to be made right with you is salvation that is found only in our repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And may you bring salvation today. Lord, your will be done in this place as we seek to follow you and the faithful God that you are. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us? And let's sing, let's respond. I'll be available at the front if you'd like to come and pray with me.
Start this, this verse over. I could not love thee. I could not love thee. So blind and unfeeling. Thank you. 
one more verse. Pardon for sin and the peace that facing in your life I do care but in spite of what you're facing in your life God is faithful I'm going to invite Joan Elizabeth and also Jessica to go ahead and come on up here uh, yeah you can bring them with you go ahead Joan Elizabeth and family uh, and then Jessica as well uh, as they're coming go ahead and stand up here with me guys all of y'all uh, if you're able to get here up here with the kids just come stand with me um, I'll introduce them here in a second. Don't leave the building this morning without getting on the hope and signing up for some of these things we talked about. If you have any questions, I'll be out front. You can ask me, you can ask any of our elders or leaders or deacons. We'd love for you to plug into these things that are happening in the life of our church, hope group, equipping classes, Awana, all of those things. And I know that it's a holiday weekend. That means you may not work tomorrow, so you've got plenty of time. Stick around, hang around, visit some people, meet some people maybe you don't know all that well. Introduce yourself to somebody. Get to know folks in our church family because we're trying to be a faithful church body together. And if, we can, if we're going to do that, we need to know one another, right? So I want to introduce to you uh, two new families that are members of our church. Uh, the kids are up here as well, but the parents are the ones that have joined, so you can give it up for them. Their names should be on the screen. This is Joe and Elizabeth right here, Joe and Elizabeth Annan, and then Jessica Hernandez down at the end. And we are absolutely thrilled that the Lord is adding to our church family. And what God's calling us to do is to be faithful followers of Jesus and invite them in to be a part of what God is doing, be blessed by them and be a blessing to them and to love and serve this great God together. If you want to be a part of this church family and you've not yet joined, sign up for the membership class. It happens this next Sunday evening. It's going to be a blast. So I'm going to pray for us and dismiss us after the prayer is over with. Please come down here before you leave. And at that time, y'all will transition down the steps. Uh, but come down here, introduce yourself to these families, introduce yourself to each other, and let's go out and serve this great, faithful God that we have. Let me pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you've done in this place, but now, God, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in our lives as we go out and seek to live this out in our daily lives. Help us to trust in your faithfulness and to, in turn, be faithful followers of Jesus as well. May we follow the Holy Spirit's lead in our lives individually and collectively as a church family. God, we thank you for Joe and Elizabeth and also for Jessica and their families, how you've brought them to be a part of our church family. May we be a blessing to them as we know that they are a blessing to us as well. We thank you 
that you loved us enough that you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins. May that be our motivation to go out and be a disciple, make disciples, be the church of the glory of God. It's in the great and powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. Come by and see them. Y'all step on down so you don't uh, fall on these steps.